was the bad-tempered tennis star with frosty blonde tips. She, the homegrown soapy actress everyone adored. So when Beck Cartwright and Leighton Hewitt got together, they became the most talked about celebrity couple in the country. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello. Hello. I am over so excited about this one. I am stupidly excited about this one. I mean, I don't think (laughs) anyone who's listened to the show for a while will know Beck and Leighton are two of my faves. They have a really special place in your heart to the point where when you announced your past basket celebrities, we did like a meme on our Instagram, you named your top three. I was a little shocked that Beck and Leighton didn't cop a mention. I feel like they are your homegrown Aussie past basket celebs. That's absolutely true. And I would kind of hope that they can be one past basket. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, they're yeah. a duo. Absolutely. We can give you that. So when it comes to Beck and Leighton, I'm sure so many of our listeners are thinking, okay, well, what's the scandal here? Is there mm. a scandal? Because they do kind of think, you know, the space they take up in the public eye now is quite a wholesome level of space. Yeah. Nowadays, it's quite an uncontroversial space as well. Leighton's very well known for his tennis achievements. He's on TV often doing like commentary work and tennis analysis, if that's a term that we use, which yeah. I'm almost definite it is not. Beck Hewitt, we don't really see that much. She'll pop up every now and then, but it's always in quite a wholesome capacity again. Yeah, exactly. And these two are, have been together for a long, long time. But the story we want to tell today is kind of two-pronged, Mish. We want to talk about their union and how they got together because, boy, was it over every Australian newspaper mm. tabloid at the time. And secondly, we want to talk about in part two of this series their relationship with the local Aussie tabloids because it was incredibly late, their relationship with New Idea and Woman's Day and the level with which – They were covered in these magazines. Yeah, and the kind of deals that were brokered as well on both sides. There is so, so much to talk about in this series. We're also going to cover the Kim Clijsters era, which I know Vicky Andrews will be listening and I know she'll be (laughs) excited because Kim Clijsters was her past basket celeb. Look, if people are listening thinking, I've no idea who Kim Clijsters is, that's fine. You may not be a sports sports fan, but there will be sprinklings of tennis through this. Oh, yeah. But do not worry. It'll still be sugary. It'll still be great. Just little sprinklings of tennis because that's what we need and that's what we like. Should we just go all the way back, Mish? Yeah, Zara, we're rewinding today to 1981. All righty, Mish. So much to get through, but I think today the best place for us to start is with Leighton Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt was born on February 24, 1981 in Adelaide in South Australia. Now, His dad, Glenn, is actually a former AFL player and his mum, Sherilyn, was a physical education teacher. I also read during our research as well that she was quite the netballer back in her day too. Yeah, so he had sport in his blood. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to know which parent came up with the name Leighton. I've never met a Leighton apart from Leighton Hewitt. That's so true. I think it is quite a unique name, but I also wonder now how many people or parents have named their kids Leighton after Leighton Hewitt. I bet my younger brother would do that. He loves Leighton (laughs) so much. (laughs) You love that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, true. Now, from the age that Leighton could pick up a tennis racket, his parents knew that there was something really special about his athletic prowess. In an interview with the Herald Sun, Leighton says he actually doesn't remember when he first played the sport. 
He said, my parents were just playing local tennis on Saturday afternoons and they put me into a group lesson at about five or six. That's the first time that I can actually remember going to the courts and hitting balls. The following year, I started having one-on-one coaching. I think when it comes to tennis, and maybe this is a foolish statement because maybe this is kind of across the board with all sports, but I do think you can see very young with tennis if a kid has quite good hand-eye and can whack that ball over the net. Like you can kind of get a sense pretty early of, Who's going to be relatively okay at it? Yeah, fair. I guess I always thought the inverse. The the kids who often make it in tennis are the ones who had their parents gently nudging them into tennis really young. Yeah, I think it's like they spot that hand-eye really early yeah. and they're like, let's hone this. Now, funnily enough, Leighton Hewitt was also pretty solid at AFL as well when he was growing up. It wasn't until he was about 13 that he had to decide what sport he was going to pursue. And of course, that ended up being tennis. Yeah, he ended up playing his first Australian Open in 1997 when he was just 15 years old. So wild. Within four years of that debut, he won his first Grand Slam in 2001 at the US Open. He was only 20 years old and he finished that year, 2001, as the world number one. And he stayed there for 75 weeks. He also won Wimbledon the year later. I wish I was old enough to enjoy this. When you read things like that, you're like, wow, that's so impressive. And of course, we witnessed Leighton be a bloody good tennis player. We were too young. 2001, we were like seven. Yeah, good maths. Yeah, we were. I wish I saw this. But then I think we were old enough for the Ash Barty era. We really which were. Is, which is pretty We're good. so selfish. I know. <laughs> now to understand, I think, how big of a deal Leighton Hewitt was, I think you need to understand two things. Firstly, of course, how much Australia craves a sporting hero. And secondly, and probably more importantly, how big of a personality he was on court. Leighton was kind of coming up through the ranks at a time when the country absolutely adored Pat Raftermish. So everyone had a keen eye on the sport of tennis. Like we already had a pretty good Aussie tennis player in Pat Rafter. And Pat Rafter was like the country's angel. He was adored. I mean, to give you some context, in 2015, the Australian Women's Weekly <laughs> wrote a piece titled, Was Pat Rafter the last Aussie gentleman to play great tennis? Mm. He was considered, Pat Rafter was considered this like gentleman this class act on the court, off the court. And then you have Leighton come along. Yeah. If I was to think of a parallel now, Pat Cummins to cricket is what Pat Rafter was to tennis. Sorry for the other sport reference for all the non-sport I know. listening. <laughs> now, when Leighton came along, he was a genuine competitor for Pat Rafter. And he was a player who was far more polarising on the court. Journalist Greg Johnston wrote for the New Daily a few years ago that Leighton was, and we quote, Always an acquired taste. Like blue cheese, he was a bit on the nose. A 2004 profile of Hewitt in The Guardian actually called him a street fighter on the court. Now, you might be wondering, okay, well, what did he do to kind of garner such a reputation as being, I will say, a brat? I definitely think that was part of his brand early. He became known for yelling, come on, louder than ever anyone else even when his opponents lost a point he also treated officials like they were enemies and I think one very infamous example of this was in 2001 at the US Open when he was playing another tennis player by the name of James Blake now when Hewitt got into a spat with a linesman who said he kind of foot faulted twice in a row Leighton Hewitt insinuated that the reason that the decisions were going against him, and I have that in inverted commas, was because James Blake is black and so is the linesman. Mm. And you can imagine the conversation that this stirred up at the US Open. 
And for that reason, it took him, I don't know if he ever, for a lot of people in the tennis world, he ever kind of got rid of that reputation as being difficult. Unsp- completely unsportsmanlike. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He, like, he was really often accused of lacking sportsmanship. Yeah, and spinning the dummy. Like I think what also is a much, much mi- more minor point, like if at all. <laughs> but even the cap backwards, I think people assumed that was an attitude point. Yeah, I think as well when we're thinking about tennis, so much of it is like about the history of tennis and maintaining yeah. the image of tennis. And when you're at Wimbledon and stuff there – to this day, are still very rigid rules with how you're supposed to present when people saw this very young Aussie guy with his cap backwards screaming, come on, even when his opponents were losing points. It's not completely earth shattering that people found him a little unpalatable. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He had that kind of cocky bravado I think you see overwhelmingly in young, teenage, overachieving, sporty men and mm. it it meant that he was one of the most talked about athletes and therefore celebrities in the country. Yeah, so that's Leighton Hewitt's professional life. Let's talk about his personal life at this point because before he met Beck Cartwright, Leighton was in a four-year-long relationship with his fellow tennis star, Belgian Kim Kleisters. Now, these two actually met at the 2000 Australian Open when they were just teenagers and Kim's sister had actually requested that she go get Leighton Hewitt's autograph for her. So Kim goes up to Leighton and says, hey, my sister wants your autograph. (laughs) And that's how they fall in love. Yeah. Now, in an interview with The Guardian, Leighton actually said of their meeting, I first spoke to Kim at the Australian Open in 2000. I don't want to sound like I was hunting her down, but I really liked her. At the Open, we ended up at the same table. We started talking and boy, that was it. Now, these two were young. He wasn't yet 20 but he was very close to actually what was the peak of his career they were also together at a time when they were both doing pretty swimmingly professionally when he was with Kim Leighton Hewitt won the US Open in 2001 and Wimbledon in 2002 those tournaments we mentioned earlier and in 2003 Kim obtained the elusive status of being number one in the world in both women's singles and doubles so at this point in time you've got the two best tennis players in the world Dating each other. Yeah, absolutely. And they were big, not just in sports circles, but in celebrity circles too. They were actually widely referred to as the first couple of tennis. It's kind of hard as well. I know that Leighton was a controversial figure at this time, but it's hard to overstate how much Australians adored Kim Kleisters. She was actually nicknamed Aussie Kim thanks to her easygoing and friendly nature. The BBC dubbed her and Leighton as tennis's most high-profile couple. I think it's so interesting because when you say your mum loved Kim Clijsters, adored my, my mum adored her as well. I definitely feel like there's a whole demographic of people who are in that sweet spot who are following this story and just fell in love with her. Like Australians do have a habit of just, you know, adopting yes. people internationally and calling them our own. And Kim Clijsters was absolutely one of those people. We basically considered her Australian. Yeah, extremely warm, extremely friendly, didn't have a big ego about her. Yes. And that is crucial in Australia. If you're going to be loved, you can't have a massive ego. Yeah, and pretty crucial in this story too, because according to The Age, it was Kim who was credited with, and I quote, softening Leighton Hewitt's brash image, which was tarnished in his early tennis days by petulant behaviour. Yeah, these two were pretty serious. In fact, very serious. Kim Clijsters announced their engagement on her personal blog in December 2003. So she was only 20, he was 22, and they were engaged. Here's what she wrote. 
Leighton has surprised me. He invited me for dinner on a boat and suddenly unveiled a ring and earrings. I don't know what hit me, but I'm very happy about it. In Australia, being engaged means a lot, but there are no concrete plans for the wedding. I'm extremely happy with my early Christmas present. Yeah, over the next few months, a February 2005 wedding date was set with the couple saying they were going to live in Australia when they weren't on the tennis circuit. Now, the plan was, according to The Age, that they would have a wedding ceremony in Hewitt's hometown of Adelaide, followed by a celebration in a Belgian castle for friends and family of the bride. However, within a year, the relationship had fallen apart. Yeah, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, Leighton Hewitt had been holidaying in the NT when Kleisters rang him to break off their engagement. So this was October 2004, just four months out from their wedding. An official statement was put up on Kim's blog on the 22nd of October, which read, Kim and Leighton have agreed to end their relationship for private reasons. There is, of course, no longer a question of marriage. Isn't that an interestingly worded statement? It is, but I do think looking at some of the other stuff that Kim Kleisters wrote on her blog, I wonder if it's a bit of a language or cultural difference that there's maybe just a straightforwardness. Oh, I kind of like it because... I love it. Yeah, 100%. Because, you know, sometimes when you see, you know, breakup statements, celebrity or PR people might say they've decided to end their engagement. And there is a small part of me that's like... So they're just ending their engagement, but are they staying together? But maybe that's just me being dumb. Oh, but also then they're always like, we love each other more than ever. Like just bullshitting us as well. There's no bullshit about that statement. No, it's like, there's no question. Nothing, we're not getting married (laughs) and we never want to see each other again. Now the Independent quoted John Alexander, a television commentator who's a former Australian number one, who remarked at the time, it is sad because Australian tennis fans have come to love Kim. I've never seen two people more in love and being so generous to each other. Let's just hope it's a hiccup and they get through it. But if not, we wish them well. Mm. I think this was definitely the mood at the time because these two were so young. Everybody thought it was maybe... A lover spat. Yeah, an immature, and again in inverted commas, breakup. And these two, all the adults, the older adults in the room were like, oh... They'll be able to work it out. Imagine going through a breakup as well and then having this like veteran of the industry and John Alexander come out and say, I have never seen two people more in love. Like, let's is just, that accurate? Let's just hope it's a hiccup. It's a lot of pressure to put on people. I just also don't buy that surely in his many years, John Alexander had also seen other couples equally in love. Give the man some hyperbole. <laughs> now, friends told the media that Leighton Hewitt was angry, embarrassed, devastated and distraught. The Sydney Morning Herald quoted friends as saying Hewitt was blindsided by the breakup. This is the quote from a source. He's been kicked in the guts and he's been kicked in the guts internationally and embarrassingly. He had a few warning signs, but when it came, it came as a huge shock. Another one of Hewitt's friends told the press that the split had come totally out of the blue, out of left field. I do want to say as a by the by, which might be a silly point. This will be good. uh, Yeah, I don't know how relevant (laughs) it is to the story of this, but... I always find it interesting when young men say they're completely blindsided by breakups yeah. because anecdotally in my life, I've got quite a few men who have said they've been blindsided by breakups that they never should have been blindsided by. <laughs> Reminds me of, again, a weird tangent, that song with Bonnevere and Taylor Swift where he's saying, I didn't see the signs or there were no signs. Yeah. And she's then singing, I gave you so many signs. There were so <laughs> many signs. The writing was in permanent marker on the wall. But that is a quick bye-bye. Uh, now, the media was 
insatiable. When it came to news about why their golden tennis couple had broken up, the media could not get enough. Reports in Belgium said that a rift had developed between Kim Clijsters and Leighton Hewitt's parents. Now, Nico von Hey, a sports editor at a Brussels-based newspaper, wrote this. There is no talk of Kim being involved with any third party, but we are hearing that there may have been some problems with Leighton's parents. Nobody is sure how deep the divisions were, but it is claimed that Kim was not getting on very well with some of Hewitt's family in Australia. Yeah, Belgian newspaper reporters maintained that their sources said a rift had developed between Kim Clijsters and Leighton's parents over the plans for two different wedding ceremonies, one in Belgium and the other in Australia. Now, strangely, even Leighton Hewitt's grandma weighed in publicly <laughs> on the split. She told the Sydney Morning Herald just a couple of days after the split was announced. And again, I kind of want to remind the listeners, these two broke up and it became news straight away. Yes. It wasn't like they tried to kind of hide it out for a bit. They were dealing with the initial immediate heartbreak and it being public. Mm. And the grandma said, I want to know what's behind it. I loved her too and she was just so nice and they were so good together and it just breaks your heart. This has come out of the blue. It is very sad. Who knows what happens between two people. I am just hoping Leighton is all right. It's interesting to me that she gave these quotes, but as we know with Scandal, this seemed to be kind of the norm back in the 90s and 2000s that like people's grandparents would weigh into their celebrity. Like, wasn't it Jude Law's grandma or something in that scandal as well? Yeah. All these reporters would go door knocking and would... Hugh Grant. It was Hugh Grant. It was Hugh Grant's, like, mum's neighbour or something. Yes. (laughs) it's interesting to me. It does feel like, and I don't know if this is fair or true, but it does feel like as we do these scandals from the early 2000s that the media just felt different, that the public Mm. conversation just felt different, reporting felt different. I feel very much like perhaps there's a greater barrier between us and celebrities these days than there was back then. Yeah, it was like the media felt completely entitled to celebrities, every detail about celebrities. And for a time, the celebrities kind of acquiesced. Yes. They kind of went, okay, well, I'll give you a quote from my nan, but I'm not going to speak to you or something. Yeah, or they kind of felt like they had no other option. I mean, the, the media scrutiny was so intense. Leighton had to flee to Paris telling reporters, I just had to get out of Australia to tell you the truth. That's why I was in Paris early. I had nowhere left to practice, so I thought I would come here. Mm, in the wake of the media's constant and invasive reporting on their split, Kim Clijsters addressed it all in a statement on her website where she wrote, I didn't feel like reacting to my split with Leighton. I hope to find some time for myself in this difficult period. However, if I see all the stuff that is being published and how I am being followed, then I think I should respond to all of that. I understand that people want to know about the end of our relationship and that is why we have decided to issue the short press statement. What is wrong with journalists if they spend the night camping outside my house, if they start following me and the rest of my family, if they start insinuating things about my mother or Leighton's, if they think that they know that both Leighton and I have already found someone else, which is a big lie anyway. I mean, good on her. I'd be issuing this too, but Mm. I think this is how intense it was for the both of them. The rumours around that split were just so intense. We are going to leave Leighton there. We're going to leave Kim Kleister's there for the moment too. And after the break, we're going to introduce another key player in this series. I mean, the keyest of key players, (laughs) Beck Cartwright.
All right, Zara, it's time to introduce Beck Cartwright. Beck was born in Sydney in July 1983 to her parents, Daryl and Michelle, and she was actually the youngest of three children. She has an older brother, Sean, and an older sister, Christy. Yeah, now Beck Cartwright started acting in television commercials when she was five years old and actually scored her first major role in a TV show when she was nine on an episode of Police Rescue. Now, Beck told Stella Magazine recently that it all kind of worked because she had a pretty big personality when she was younger. She said, My mom used to tell this story that we would catch the train into the city to go to the castings, and by the end of it, I would have the whole carriage talking to me. I would do little songs and dances. When I was five, she put me into an agency. I started out with commercials and I loved it. Yes, there was the bonus of getting the day off school, but I really loved being in front of the camera and I loved dancing as well. Yeah, Beck Cartwright's career just went from strength to strength. She ended up joining the cast of Home and Away in 1998. She played the role of Hayley Smith Lawson. Now, getting that role on a full-time basis meant that she actually had to drop out of school after year nine and do the rest of her classes via correspondence school. This role was huge. And as I said, she was in year nine when she got it. So this is a massive career leap for a very young girl. Yeah, I remember in the early 2000s when I was at primary school, Beck Cartwright in her role as Hayley was like it. She she was was the it it girl, right? Absolutely. Like beyond anything I think we have today. She later told Stella, I recall the first autograph I was asked for was after my first night on air. We stopped at a surf shop and someone recognised me after just one night, which I found really odd as I didn't even talk in the first scenes. This is how big Home and Away was at the time. Massive. She also said, I was so young and enthusiastic and had all the energy in the world and I loved it. I would turn up and people would say, Beck, it's too early to be that happy. I was jumping around ready to go. Now, that energy, that bounciness really resonated on screen immediately. The year after she got that full-time gig, so 1998, she gets the gig. 1999, she gets nominated for a Silver Logie, which is to recognise the most popular new talent on Australian screens. Yeah, I think, as I mentioned, for anyone in our generation, I think the hold Beck Cartwright had on us doesn't really need to be explained. She Mm. was kind of like the ultimate girl next door and was extremely, extraordinarily popular with TV audiences. As you say, she was winning Logies by the age of 16, which was just insane. Now, 1999 was also an important year for Beck because it was also the year that she first met Leighton Hewitt-Mish. Yeah, they actually met at the Starlight Cup, a charity tennis match organised by the Starlight Children's Foundation. When they met, Beck was 16, Leighton was 18. So Leighton's timeline's getting a little blurry here. Stick with us. These two met long before they ever got together. Looking back on that time, Beck said, I couldn't play tennis, so it was quite comical. I didn't impress Leighton with my game. He just thought it was really admirable that I gave it a go. Now, Beck told Stella Magazine that they didn't speak for six years after that. I do have to say, in our digging on this, They do have other quotes on the record that kind of accidentally tell a different story, Mm. not like a wildly different story, but we will get to those a little bit later. Now, God, we had to go into the depths of the early 2000s internet for this scandal, by the way. You guys, the stuff we had to try and dig up from the early noughts. Because all, you know, you put into Google like 
Beck Cartwright interview 2002 and the <laughs> web pages you find yourself on. Anyway, we found ourselves like a blog Q&A that Beck did back in 2002 that kind of goes away to contextualising who Beck Cartwright was away from the soap TV fame at this time. Beck told fans that she drove a black Honda Civic and said that whenever she got a moment away from filming, she would go to the beach in summer every minute that she got. She said, I go to the movies, I catch up with friends and I tidy my room. She also said that she was receiving up to 100 fan letters a week. She was a massive star, but I think she was such a massive star because she also had like this element of normalcy to her. Yeah, normalcy plus innocence. The yes. the Q and A with fans on that blog site really tells the story of an innocent, innocent teenager for sure. In two thousand and two, Beck signed a recording contract with Warner Music Australia. Her debut single, All Seats Taken, what was a released. Banger. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah, an iconic song these days. Do you remember the film clip as well? Of I course. vividly remember the film clip too. Zara, as we were, we for context to break the fourth wall for the listeners, Zara and I were researching this on days working from home. So we yes. weren't like in each other's pockets while we were doing our respective research. I was playing this on repeat during this Just part of the research. Get you in the mood. Absolutely. Now, that single was released on the 18th of November 2002 and peaked at number 10 on the Aria music charts. Beck described it in an interview we found online as, and I quote, such a groovy little June. She's not wrong (laughs) at all. Now, I do wonder with All Seats Taken, if recording execs were setting her up with the Kylie Minogue treatment, like Mm. that soap star into international pop star. I mean, they had all the ingredients, really loved soap star and then thought maybe we can manufacture a pop career here pretty easily. Now, just to give you a sense of the era that this was, One interview that Beck did around this time asked her what she thought of the constant comparisons between herself, Holly Valance and Delta Goodrum. (laughs) She answered, Holly is already out there and is well established with her music and she's going really well. I actually have her album. I haven't met Holly personally, but I love what she does and she's just kind of cool. And Delta is actually a great mate of mine. We grew up together, so there's nothing there. And if anything, she deserves to go really well. Go Beck. I love that response. I love the response. <laughs> and I love that this was kind of the era where these three women were just like smashing it. The they trio. Were everywhere. Yeah. It wasn't just her airtime on Home and Away or her burgeoning music career that made Beck popular with the media. After all, fans and journalists alike were very interested in Beck's boyfriend on screen and off screen. So the (laughs) actor, Bo Brady, played Beck's on screen love interest in Home and Away, Noah Lawson. In the show, Hayley and Noah got engaged on her 21st birthday, but then Noah got killed in a siege (laughs) soon after. I don't even remember that. Yes, I also went back and looked into this. And he left. There was like a, a a shooting thing. Yes. He dies. Haley's widowed. Then, this is my favourite twist, her character later ends up in a love triangle paternity test scandal with Chris Hemsworth and another actor. Wow. I love that she got to play alongside Chris Hemsworth though. I know. I remember her and Noah and, well, and in real life, her and Bo Brady so well. I think that also added to the charm. 
everyone, I loved Bo Brady. Everyone loved when the characters who were dating on screen dated off yes. screen. So as we know, life did imitate art. Back when Beck did that 2002 blog Q&A that we found, <laughs> she told her fans that she and Bo Brady had been together for 10 months and were as happy as ever. She said, when I was away working in London, I missed him more than anything. I had a very large phone bill when I got back because I spoke to him every day. Bo and Beck were like the soapy it couple at this time. I know I keep saying like we can't explain how big they were. Guys, we simply cannot. I know there are people listening to this who this era would have passed them by. I know that because there are people in our office who are younger than us, only by a couple of years, who don't remember this. And listeners who aren't Australian. Exactly. Guys, just back us here. Trust us. These two were it. I don't know what it was about Bo Brady as well. I loved Bo Brady. Me too. I had a crush on him when I was like eight. (laughs) So weird. Now, in every magazine interview that Beck did, there was some line of questioning around her relationship and what it looked like away from the small screen. Yeah. At some point in 2004, the same year that Beck actually went on Dancing with the Stars, she and Bo got engaged. Again, very young, just like Leighton and Kim Clijsters. At the time of their engagement, Bo was 22, Beck was 21. But again, it didn't last very long because, Zara, (laughs) by the end of 2004, Beck was being photographed with one of the biggest names in Australia, Leighton Hewitt. And here's where they (laughs) properly collide. So the story of how Beck and Leighton fell in love differs slightly depending on who you ask. What we know for sure is on December 11, 2004, the Daily Telegraph wrote this. Rebound ace Leighton Hewitt has found a new love interest to get over the breakup of his engagement to Kim Clijsters. Soap actress Beck Cartwright. The pair are believed to be dating with their first public outing together at Thursday night's Virgin Atlantic launch. Throwback. Yeah, I know. (laughs) The couple chatted and smiled, making no secret of their new relationship before Sydney's social set. Yeah, the piece went on. Hewitt contacted Cartwright's people two weeks ago for her number, according to a source. Confidential understands Cartwright met Hewitt in Adelaide last week and drove to Sydney with him in his new $420,000 Ferrari. The piece went on. Hewitt first met Cartwright at a Starlight Children's Foundation Tennis Charity Day in Sydney 1999, just months before hooking up with Clysters, who broke off their engagement late October. Cartwright last week officially announced the breakup of her four-year relationship with fellow Home and Away star Bo Brady, but that was believed to be finished weeks ago. So, bit going on here. Timelines, timelines. Yes. So, both of them sort of had their engagements break up. Both of them met each other after that and kind of went on a date quite quickly. I think what is one of the more fascinating parts about this story, I mean, there's lots of fascinating parts about the story, is that they were only dating for like 10 days before they kind of announce it to the world publicly. It's quick. It's so quick. Beck's engagement, while we don't have the exact date of when it ended, Beck's engagement ending was only announced the week prior it's a big 180 and it's not surprising that people were surprised no and it's also not surprising that they became such a massive thing because not only were they two of our biggest celebrities at this time they were also doing this very quickly like they were saying we met last week and look here we are and their previous relationships had been so high profile yes so it's just the whole thing is fascinating to me it's the perfect recipe i wish we had this today i wish we had stories like this today now An official statement on the breakup between Beck and Bo Brady had read the week before. The couple realised that their relationship, while no longer romantic, had instead developed into a strong 
friendship. Taylor's old as time in these statements now. Absolutely. <laughs> Beck has said in recent years, we touched on this earlier, that her and Leighton didn't speak for six years after meeting at the Starlight Cup. But years earlier, in an interview we found on YouTube, Beck told a different story. Now, we're going to play you the snippet here and maybe it goes away to explaining how these two got together so quickly. I sent him a text message to congratulate him on the year he won Wimbledon and then I think I sent him another one to congratulate him on the US Open. I hadn't even seen this. My parents just told me about it so I thought oh, it would be nice to send him a text but I thought he'd probably think, who's this person annoying me? Well, they obviously had each other's phone numbers. Yeah, and so that report that we read earlier that Leighton reached out to Beck's people after he broke up with Kim Kleist to get her number, I don't know if that can be accurate when Beck, from Beck's mouth, <laughs> she's saying... I'm messaging him to congratulate him on the US Open. This was like, they had their phone numbers for years. Yeah, absolutely. Now, not only did they go to this Virgin Atlantic launch Mm. early, but also it was confirmed in that Daily Telegraph piece that confirmed the relationship a mere 12 days after their first date that she would be supporting him at the Australian Open at the end of January, which is another really high-profile thing to do because when he's playing on the court, on centre court, Mm. everyone's looking to the box. Yes. He's player box to see who's in there and she was going to be front and centre. And she's saying that if their relationship is only a week or two old, she's forecasting weeks into the future to go, well, I'll be there. So they were- This is a sure thing. Super, super serious, super early. And I can imagine, and I probably might say this a few (laughs) times over the next sort of episode or two, I can imagine the media- Rolling their eyes at this. Absolutely. To be like, these two are both on a rebound. They won't last very long. They've moved way too fast. Crash and burn. Spoiler alert. They were wrong. We're the fools. We are the fools. Cartwright's manager, to his credit, Stephen Harmon, gave a quote to the newspapers at the time and clearly backed this relationship from the earliest of days. He told the newspapers they are very happy with each other. There is a good friendship established already. They get on well and have a lot in common. Yeah, so that's what we saw in the media at the time, right? Both relationships had ended and then Beck and Leighton got together. But years later, Bo Brady actually decided to speak to Woman's Day about that time in his life and give the story a different spin. He told Woman's Day that Beck had left him for Leighton. Yeah, under a massive headline that read, Beck's text affair broke my heart, Bo Brady gave journalist Philip Koch some very interesting quotes. He's quoted saying, I'm only speculating, but in the end, I'm still not really sure why Beck broke it off. Maybe it was because I didn't own a Ferrari. (laughs) And as we know, she was photographed in In or like seen in his $440,000 Ferrari a week after or the same week or whatever as her engagement ended. Now, it sounds snarky in writing, but I'd love to know if there was a giggle with that quote. It's just so hard when these quotes are in print. He went on to say that he had noticed Beck and Leighton were communicating a lot. He said, I was a bit naive because Leighton was texting her and they were talking on the phone a bit. I thought there was nothing to it because, let's face it, I'm a much better looking dude than Leighton. (laughs) Again, the kind of quote that I would have loved context. (laughs) What was your tone? Was there giggles? I'm sorry. What tone can you deliver? Let's face it. I'm a much better looking dude than Leighton that softens it at all. If you're just having a laugh, like if it's kind of a joke. Are but, you having a laugh to Woman's Day? Well, the problem is <laughs> you, you know these quotes are going in print. So you, yes. with that in mind, you have to be very careful about how you're saying things because tone is stripped right off. And you're not going to The Age or The no. Guardian, even news.com.au. No. You're going to Woman's Day. Well, I mean, news.com.au hadn't quite been born at this point, but yes. <laughs> 
Now, ultimately, Bo said the decision to propose to Beck was one that he now really regretted. He said getting engaged to her has taken away some of the purity of doing that again with someone else. He also revealed that he had thrown the, and I quote, quite valuable engagement ring into the ocean. (laughs) Why don't you sell it? (laughs) Why throw it into the ocean? Anyway, what a little tangent there. Back to Beck and Leighton. So Beck and Leighton started dating in December 2004 and were therefore photographed heaps at the start of 2005 at the Australian Open. Now, this was a massive tournament for Leighton Hewitt. He was playing in front of homegrown crowds and physically It was a pretty hectic tournament with some seriously demanding five-set matches. I mean, one of those insane matches, long matches, was against a then little-known teen sensation by the name of Rafael Nadal. I know. Now, this tournament was massive for Leighton's career and even bigger for his relationship with Beck. Beck was by his side the entire tournament and... We've got to keep in mind, this is a guy who just two and a half months earlier was engaged to someone else who was also on the circuit. The media naturally were absolutely sick for the story. Hewitt was also looking to be the first home winner in 29 years, fittingly in the Australian Open's centenary year. The poetry of the whole thing. It was too much. Now, he made it to the final on Sunday, January 30, 2005, and he was playing against Marit Safin in front of a full-capacity Rod Laver crowd of 16,000 people. Sadly, he lost in four sets. I know, it was like so close to being the most romantic, poetic Australian Open, but he lost. Beck was interviewed straight after the match, and this is what she said. I just thought he was unreal. Like I just felt so proud watching him every match and just being able to come back and just and just watching him out there knowing that he's mine for starters, that's pretty good. But he just played so well and I'm so happy that he made it as far as he did. It was that evening in the hours after Leighton's loss that Beck and Leighton got engaged. So not all losers that night. Some no. quite big winners. <laughs> no. According to the Ages report that we found, Leighton Hewitt dropped $200,000 on a Tiffany & Co engagement ring. According to Fairfax, Hewitt did not get down on bended knee when he popped the question in the pair's Park Hyatt hotel suite because he was too sore after playing. So this engagement happened six weeks after their first date. Yeah. We got the report of them dating in December and by January 30, 2005, he was proposing. Now, the couple's official statement read, Leighton and Beck met five years ago at a Starlight Foundation charity tennis day and rekindled their relationship late last year. The couple were instantly committed to each other. Beck proudly revealed the ring presented to her by Leighton to overjoyed family and friends at the post-tennis final celebrations. Yeah. In an interview with New Idea, Leighton said he knew it was going to happen the night of the final. The quote reads, I knew it was going to happen that night. I just thought the timing was right. It would have been great to have had the Australian Open trophy too, to make it that little more special, but I won the biggest prize. In that same piece, the couple said they knew the engagement was quick, but they were not bothered by any of the critics. Yeah, Beck Cartwright said, it does not bother us because we both know what it is. We know it feels right and we can see each other being really happy for the rest of our lives. Leighton went on. He said, I've probably put up with more criticism than a lot of people out there. 
at the end of the day, (laughs) sorry, presented with that comment. At the end of the day, you block out everything, especially with your personal life. What feels right to you, you don't second guess yourself. For us, it just felt so awesome from the start. Mm, In that more recent interview with Stella Magazine that we've referenced a few times in this episode, Beck did admit to the publication that she knew it was really fast. Here's that passage in the Stella piece. Beck admits that if any of her friends had told her they were getting married to someone after a six-week courtship, she would have told them they were crazy. But she faced no such opposition from her loved ones. All the family were so happy and supportive, she said. I guess they just saw the two of us together and saw we were happy. I love that. I really do. A month after their engagement, the couple hit the publicity circuit, doing an exclusive with New Idea with photos of the ring and a TV interview with Today Tonight. It marked the beginning of what would become a very complicated relationship that the couple had with the Aussie tabloids. Yeah, more on that in a little bit. By March, some five months after breaking up with Leighton, Kim Clijsters was asked about the split and about his rapidly moving relationship with Beck. She was at a tennis conference when she gave this quote. I'm very happy. It's the past. I've learned so much out of those five years and it's an experience that everyone should have. I made the right decision. I believe that if you stay positive, everything will turn out positive for both sides. That's the most important thing at the end of the day, that you're both happy. I think that will happen for both of us. This is why people loved her so much because she was gracious at all times. Mm. Now in May... Beck and Leighton were busy doing what all Aussie celebrity couples do, which is attend the Logies. (laughs) That same month, Beck was crowned Australia's sexiest woman by by FHM. (laughs) Sorry, I put that in because I was like, I don't know. That was very of the time, though. It's the brief for the (laughs) mid-noughts. Jennifer Hawkins came in second. Denmark's Princess Mary pulled in tenth. This is just like, (laughs) what a a bizarre time the mid-noughties were. I'm glad you enjoyed that inclusion, though, because I was second-guessing. Does this belong in the episode? It does, but because the mid-naughties I think might be my favourite time for celebrity. I want to do more scandals from this time. I would love to do a Princess Mary scandal. You just keep banning me. Look, I'm willing to be swayed by public opinion. Maybe we need to poll you all. Do you want, and it won't be a scandal series because there is no scandal. No, it was just a beautiful love story. A throwback series on Princess Mary. Yeah, we've really gone off the script <laughs> though. But that wasn't it for May 2005 for Beck and Leighton. She wasn't just being crowned the sexiest woman by ever. <laughs> Six months after dating, the couple announced that they were pregnant with Beck's publicist confirming the news to the media. Their families are delighted with the wonderful news. Yeah, guys, in the next episode, we have so much to cover, including the now iconic Australian wedding that took place at the Sydney Opera House, but also how the decisions that Beck and Leighton made around this time when it came to women's magazines would haunt them for over a decade to come. Yeah, all of that on our next episode of Scandal. Guys, if you want to come and support the show, you know the deal. Come and find us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We'll have some of, of course, these photos from this time. Beck in that player's box, maybe photos of the ring, whatever we can find. Noah and Haley on Home and Away. All of the good stuff on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. I just, I love this scandal series i love every scandal series they just fill my cup oh fill my cup so much the joy that i have from doing this i love these two so much i love them put that on the record guys this one was researched by myself and zara find us on tiktok find us on instagram we'll be back in your ears on thursday see you then
Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.